Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. I am Nathan Brantley. I'm one of the pastors here at The Rock of Gainesville. I'm going to... Yeah, oh, I don't know what I said. Okay. Uh, I love that man. Um, so I'm, I have a family. I want to show you some photos of them, let you know uh, a little bit about me for those of you that don't. So um, my family is really important to me, and they are a gift of God. Uh, there they are. There's uh, Stephanie, my wife, Caroline, George, and Peter. Uh, we like to have fun. We like to eat. We like to go out to eat. Um, we like to laugh. Um, this, is a, this is just a, a little over a month ago when Stephanie was getting ready to go on a Peru trip and leave me to feed my kids for 10 days um, and do all the things, um, and, uh, which I didn't do. And when she came home, I got in trouble. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm the fun parent, okay? I enjoy when a house is clean while I kayak with them. Um, this is Stephanie on her 41st birthday this year. Um, she's beautiful and um, looks great for 41. Um, Really, though, she does. It's, it's amazing. Ah, okay. Uh, this is my, the second love of my life, Caroline Elizabeth Brantley. She is 11. Uh, this is George Nathan Brantley. Uh, this is Peter Charles Brantley. Uh, we like to do things together. Uh, this, is, this is my two cuties, my two girls that God gave me. Um, we like to, you know, be, I like to be goofy with my kids, um, like wear Batman masks to an award show. We like to do things like go kayaking, um, adventure things that connect us with nature, um, God's creation. Um, we like to make silly faces. I think I have a lot more of these. You know, it's, it's actually hard to pick one. Um, this is Stephanie with George and Peter in England. At Epcot, and um, <laughs> it was a great day. It's a uh, very short travel to get to England there. And uh, uh, this is, you know, my kids making silly faces, being loud. I tell them that this is what they sound like <laughs> in the car when they won't stop. Um, I mean, I, I can't not see my children when I see this photo, which is why I have it saved on my phone. Um, because you can't even tell, are they angry or happy or hungry? What, what is the, the face that is being made here? Like all three, hangry. Um, so uh, this is my son, George. He, we, went, we went wall rock climbing um, a little while ago. And so this is him getting to the very top and... And this was kind of this was a fun activity for us to do together. Um, now this is the like system where he's he's hooked up by himself, and now he's he made it to the top. He's coming all the way down, and um, and he he definitely did not go all the way to the top the first few attempts. Um, Peter is my climber. Uh, Peter was the one who was ten months old, 
and I had left a ladder out because I'm installing a fan and thought, no way does like a 10-month-old climb up a ladder. And I walked around the corner in my house, and I came back, and of course, at the top of eight feet, is this 10-month-old thinking he just mounted Everest, and he's just holding on. I mean, you know, he's got like four teeth, like most 10-month-olds are not even walking, and here he is, he's climbed, and he doesn't even know he could fall. It's just total bliss. Look how high I am. So, of course, I did the only thing you do, which is like you ninja velociraptor from the side, like creep up. Like you don't want visual eye contact because you don't want him to do anything he's not already doing, which is holding on. So you're just, you know, sliding up there, sliding, grabbing, <laughs> taking down. And he has been climbing stuff ever since. So going wall ride climbing, is, it was so different with each one of my kids because they all had different fear levels or confidence levels or even ability levels. And it was really interesting the way sometimes confidence and ability went hand in hand for them to be successful on one of their, one of their routes. And, um, but this is, this is George, um, George Nathan, and uh, I love him. I love him very much. I believe in him. I know he will be a good man. I love everything about him. I give him stuff. I give him more than he asks. Uh, and I, I don't withhold to prove a point of my superiority. When he asks for one scoop, sometimes I give him two. When he asks for two, sometimes I give him three. When he asks for one dollar, I'll give him five. Uh, when he asks for a hug, I'll hold him for 60 seconds. When he tells me an unending story, <laughs> I'll stare into his eyes and listen to every word. When he breaks one of my things, I simply teach him just how to avoid it next time. I love him very much. And I do that because I'm a new creation. I'm a new triune of a spirit, soul, and body in Jesus Christ. I know my genealogy, and it wasn't those things. I didn't, I didn't inherit all, all of those. But because I'm not a slave to my flesh anymore, I, I actually, I'm not at war, um, constantly fearful that I'm not going to do those things. Uh, I'm not in constant fear that I'm not going to love him enough or, or do the right thing. Um, my flesh was made new in Christ Jesus. I was reborn spirit, soul, and body in Christ Jesus. My struggle is no longer with my blood. It's no longer with my DNA. It's no longer with what I inherited. 
my struggle is against rulers and powers and spiritual wickedness. Specifically, now that I'm renewed and reborn, my struggle is to actually continue to believe and walk in truth and just not accept lies otherwise. Ephesians 6, 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. I'm getting to this part where I get to say, I don't have a sin nature. It died. If I believe I have a sin nature, that my flesh didn't die with Christ, I'll just keep fighting what I think is my old man and my old desires. It's really fun to be free of that lie. It's really good. There's so much place for joy. There's so much place for accomplishment. There's so much place for confidence. I'm going to jump right into a story that is one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. It's so, I wish there were chapters on it, and it's like part of one chapter. It's so fascinating. You know, there's, I, I like action movies, and I like th- thrills, and I like adventure, um, because it, it, you know, it can, it, it can paint this amazing story of humanity overcoming obstacles. And in the Bible, there's these stories that are the best stories ever. Like, they... They're so superior to everything in a movie that's ever created. And you just, it blows your mind trying to think about, like, how these things happen. Like, what was the dialogue before someone did this incredibly insane thing that doesn't make sense? And and it only even happened because God told someone to do it or that he was with them. So I'm going to jump to 1 Samuel 14. And this is about uh, Jonathan, the son of King Saul. So it says... uh, Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us come over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work with us. For nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor bearer said to him, which is so neat. You know, like we sometimes have trouble asking for like favors of friends. You know, we don't want to over-obligate them. And Jonathan is like, listen, we might die. Will you go with me? And... Um, and, his, and his armor bearer says, do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. I am with you heart and soul. I mean, is it not good to have, like, best friends? Then Jonathan said, behold, we will cross over to them, and we will show ourselves to them. And if they say to us, wait until we come to you, as in come down, then we will stand still in our place, and we will not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has given them into our hand. And this shall be the sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of Philistines. And the Philistines said, look, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they were hiding. And the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and said to his armor bearer, And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come about to me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. So not even just their hand, 
He was like, this isn't about me and us winning this battle. This is about our entire nation behind us. Um, then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and his feet. So to even, to even get to this struggle that Jonathan talked to his friend about, they were going to have to, in a posture of inferiority, be on their hands and feet, climbing up just to get to the fight. So they climb on their hands and feet, and they fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer killed them. And that first strikes, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, killed about 20 men within about half of an acre. And then there was panic in the whole Philistine camp and in the field and among the people. And the, and the garrison and the raiders, and the raiders being people that they weren't just like the farmers and the water boys, but they were actually like some of the trained fighters. They were trembling. What just happened? Why, why are all of these guys dead in a field right now? And, and, they, and then a, a great panic happened. And then the best part of the story, the next part, now the Hebrews who had been with the Philistines before, meaning like kind of some of the quasi-traders who had gone up with them and into their camp, even they turned to be with the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, when the rest of the people in Israel, when the rest of the men who had been hiding in holes and in the hill country heard that the Philistines were fleeing, they too followed hard into battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day. So there's, a, there's this part of this story that is like I'm immediately relating to in, in my connectedness as to how important my decisions are in, in my struggles and in my fights and what do I accomplish and who do I go after and, and, the, and the struggles and the climbing that I do. I want to honor some people that went before me or who brought me along with them or who exemplified a godly nature um, or a lifestyle of godliness that is very different than the common worldly way of doing it. Um, I want to honor David and Ellen Weintraub for being a prayerful family. They've been in my life since I was probably seven or eight. And my memories of them is that they would pray first. They would pray first, and they didn't, um, they didn't hesitate with anyone. And it was such an example. Little thing that left a mark on a young man that remembers 30 years later. Um, I want to honor Donnie Kirchman. I would go on missions trips or somewhere out of town, um, and I would come home. <laughs> Why did I look at you? I would come home, and she would tell me that she had prayed over me with her children. Another little thing that left a mark on a young man. There's people that I'm not really in a relationship with, and I matter. There must be something important about me. Um, I want to honor Jennifer Carlson. <clears throat> a friend's mom who would always come up to me and tell me she believed in me. 
say, I just, I believe in you. I was praying for you, and God is just going to do such good things in you, or she would have a word for me. Um, and another person that left a mark on a young man because of a few simple words that she spoke. Um, you know, I want to honor Savin Wilbekin. He's not here for instilling a godly notion <clears throat> that every person is an encounter and an opportunity to not be lazy. Whoever you meet, you just, any high schooler you know, they could be the next youth pastor. They might help develop a 3D printed item that goes in someone's fam- in someone's body. You just, you don't know. You value, you value each one. The, the worst kids in the whole group, um, the best kids in the whole group, you honor and you value them. You, pull, you draw out of them. You pour into them, you draw out of them. You pour into them, you draw out of them. Um, you know, I, I want to honor Lisa Dunn. She's in California for exemplifying a renewed mind. Being someone that in her teenage years, I don't know the life she lived, but I know the life she lived after she was renewed. And it made a mark on a young man that, oh, this is, this is how you begin to shift your character in the, in the light of God, in the, in the fruit of Holy Spirit with a renewed mind. Um. I want to honor Mark and Deborah Mink for, yeah. I want to honor them for purposing every day with their child. They had children long before I did. And as they would speak over the things they were going to do when they had children, when they couldn't, they had... (laughs) They had their children, and then they purposed. And they were intentional. And it wasn't about teaching them rules. It was about teaching them the nature of God, about holiness, about love, about tender kindness, um, gentleness, self-control. Um, so they purposed. And, they got to, and I got to watch them do that before I had my own kids. Um, I want to honor uh, Jill Nash, for operating in the gift she had when she had it at the right moment. And as a young man, seeing someone, you know, speak a word of knowledge or prophecy over another person or say what was implored on her heart by God left a mark on a young man that hasn't been forgotten in over 30 years. Um, And then finally... um, I mean, not finally, even just my last one for the time, um, Clint Gibbs for being um, Clint Gibbs for being steadfast and gentle. Um, I got to be a young man in his life that watched him go through a really hard time. And he wasn't always dancing, and he wasn't always playing his guitar, but he was steadfast. <clears throat> and he spoke the word of God over his life repeatedly every day. It was, he went back to it, and he found, and he, and he exemplified something I would only come to understand later, which was finding, <clears throat> finding my rest in God. So, um... It's, 
It's so good seeing these other people who went before me. Who grabbed into a part of the wall and they pulled themselves up. If I'm a new creature, creation in Christ, if I'm a new creation, what this does for me is it it gives me a revelation, it opens my eyes that that person could be a new creation, and that person could be a new creation, and that person could be a new creation. And every body that I see represents a soul. And I need to see that soul with spiritual eyes and spiritual purpose and choose to honor and to not cast rocks. So when I was climbing with my son, uh, you know, I go through this process where I learn how to belay um, and learn how the equipment works and how to attach a carabiner to this harness that you wear and feed the rope through and do the check and then do the check on his harness and make sure the clip is. And then um, the whole process was really fascinating for me as a believer to see it from the bottom, get to experience the top. Um, And he he would climb and he would look back to see if I had him. You know, there would be these moments of panic or fear or just a little timidity. And, and I would be, George, I got you. I totally have you. Like, the rope system is in such a way that it's nearly impossible for him to fall. And I would have to want him to fall. I would want have to want him to be in danger for it to happen. Um, and so he would climb in there, and it was so neat watching him make the moves to get to the top, to hit the top, and then to look back and be like, I'm ready to come down. And, and I'd get to let him, you know, pull the rope back. It loosens it, and then the rope goes all the way through and lets him down slowly. Um, it, was, it was really fun getting to see the process. Because then when I was attached with the rope, he would get to a spot or, you know, it can be laborious climbing. And he would, and they would just like realize he wasn't going to be able to keep holding on. Like the hand actually got too tired or the foot slipped. And when he fell, it only had like two inches of slack and then he could rest. And they would, you could rest in this position where you then can like get your whereabouts, you know, shake out your hands, look at your next couple handholds and your footings a few feet up and then, and then decide like to go back at it again. And I'm watching this and I'm thinking this is exactly what the rest in God is for me is that when I fight my flesh, I can keep absorbing this lie that I'm going all the way back to the bottom of where I started and everything's ruined and I've got to start over. And why even start over if I'm all the way back here? But when I'm a new creation, I'm tethered to God. And so I can be on this difficult scenario completely completely wiped. I can't can't go higher. And it's in that moment that the whole system is purposed that I can sit and rest in God. 
my spirit is seated. My spirit is seated in heavenly places. I can sit and rest whenever I've just done all that I can. Whenever, like, I just don't think I, it, even if I go for that next handhold, my foot's going to slip and, and I'm going to drop. It's not going to happen because I've decided to be tethered to the God Almighty, the creator of my soul. There's a lot of things that we have that we, uh, we don't know how it's going to get fixed. It's our responsibility to trust God, and it's his responsibility to deliver us and to save us. Isn't that fascinating? Your faith, it's not just a matter of what you believe. It's a matter of whom you trust. And if my kids didn't trust me that they weren't going to fall, they just would never climb. Once they got over that almost lie in our brain that I wasn't going to catch them, they climbed. And it was so fun to watch. And the speed, the speed at which they then begin to climb. First, it's like, okay, every, every, every handhold, every foot. And then after a while, when the fear is gone, when they're not fighting their flesh anymore, you know, like when we're not fighting our flesh anymore, the speed at which you begin to overcome, it's so good. Just up and up and up and up. But there, there are these moments where you truly are going to come into and you are already experiencing Something that when you put enough self-reflection into it, you realize you're not, you're not going to fix it. You're not going to finish it. It's not going to happen. Those are those moments where your trust has to be fully engaged in a faith issue that now it's time to rest in God. I mean, now it's time to just say, my God reigns. My God reigns. Our God reigns. There's a song that I heard when I was about 17, and it was really so supernatural for me. Because uh, the word that is written in, in the Bible, like the word that is here is so important for your soul and your spirit and to overcome the evil one. And then there are times when you don't know what part of the Bible to even apply to yourself. But there, for me, there was always something supernatural about singing that our God reigns. It was really supernatural. Like, all the emotions, all the anxiety over this major thing subdued when I began to declare with my mouth that my God reigns. Like, in the end, I'm not going to figure this thing out. It, it's a matter of a miracle, and only God does the miracles. And so, all, all since then, I would sing this song and sing My God Reigns, and it would fill me because it was a supernatural thing. And uh, 
And I do want to share that with you. And so what I want you to do is I want you to think of this situation that is going on in your life that really is a matter of a miracle. Now, there's a few things that seem like maybe they're at that level, but I think everyone here knows in your heart what it is. Like, you know what this miracle issue is. For some people, it's really serious. And for some people, it's just really logistical. But in the end, you just, you're not going to make it happen, and you know it. And so I want you to take this thing that is, that is there. It's ever-present. It's gnawing at you. And to this point, you haven't overcome it or you haven't won. I, I mean, maybe it's someone that you just really want to know Jesus, and, and you just can't figure out how to, how to make it happen. Maybe, maybe it's something with work, and you just feel like, they, you know, they really are going to let you go. Maybe it's a class you elected to take in college that's way over your capability. And you can't withdraw from it. And so it's just going to be a miracle if you even make a C. I mean, maybe it's a disease that has left you without any way of knowing a hope. But I want you to take that because it's precious to God. And I want you to think about these words, and I want you to sing this song. Oh, God, oh, God. 
so much that when you became new in Christ, he removed your struggle with your flesh by allowing it to die with Christ so that then you could take on a new calling that you could not possibly achieve by yourself before. So it's like it's time to reign because we're seated in heavenly places. So it means we get to reign with him. It means we get to reign with him. Do not be deceived. You were made for the climb. Like if our God reigns, it means he is the winner. And if we get to take part in that, it means that as he created you, that you were made for the climb. You were made for the run and you were made for the win. Don't believe the lie that you're battling your flesh anymore. You're not. That is a lie from the enemy. All you need to sin is the will to do it and a capacity to believe a lie. That's all you need to sin. Once you've been made new, all you need to sin is the will to do it. Which is it's so glorious because then your will looking towards the presence of God, it takes care of that. Romans 8, in Romans 8, it says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but a spirit of adoption as sons. So we cry out, Abba, Father. I know this is like, so as my children are climbing up and they're looking back, Dad, do you have me? Yes, of course I have you. I'm tethered to you. I purpose to be tethered to you before you even went up. You're tethered. You're safe. Stop believing the lie that you're unsafe. It's going to keep you from ever climbing. And this is how the story of Jonathan is connected. There's a climb that you're destined for. And there's a generation below hiding in a bunch of holes waiting for you to climb waiting for you to be the winner, waiting for you to speak into someone's life, I prayed for you, waiting for you to tell someone, my kids and I, we prayed for you. They're waiting to see you overcome how you were so terrible and all of a sudden you have this renewed mind. They're waiting for you. There's a generation. It's not just like one person. It's not just like your aunt or your cousin but you are seated in heavenly places, which means you are part of the worldwide church destiny to be overcomers and to be winners. Don't believe the lie. That's all the enemy has on you is for you to believe a lie. You are renewed. You are bought for a price and you were redeemed. It is our responsibility to trust God, and it's his responsibility to save us. So as you're, you're making these climbs, you've got a foothold, and you climb, and you read the word of God. Oh, this scripture, oh, this is relevant to where I am right now. And you keep climbing, 
you grab another handhold and you climb up all the while, you know that God has you. And whenever you get tired, just sit down and rest so that you can carry on right from where you are. And then you see this part and you're like, I, I don't know if that is safe up there. I, it just seems shaky. But I don't see any other way. So you, you start to get up there. And as soon as you lift, you say, Mark and Deborah were here already. They actually made this handhold for me. And then you get to climb a little bit higher. I was afraid, but look at this. Jill Nash was right here. She, she, she actually marked this area right here. And you go a little bit further and you see, oh my gosh, look at this. Sarah Bridgen was here. She spoke destiny over this whole part and I thought no one had been there. I thought it was all me. And you keep climbing, you see there were other people here before you. They are part of you. You are part of that journey. You have a destiny. And it's a matter of not believing a lie anymore. It's about believing the truth about you, which is that you are born again, that you are new in spirit, mind, and body. And with that, you have the power to overcome the evil one. That newness is going to give you a revelation of other people that you didn't have before. That coworker who's just a backstabber, you're going to see her as a soul. That neighbor who has the wackiest politics and you hope you never get near him again, he has a soul. That uncle that ruins every family event, he has a soul. Your kids, high school, friends, parents, who clearly don't know how to parent at all. They have a soul. Your college classmates, who you just like don't want to interfere with you, like you don't want to be up in their business, they have souls. They're all waiting for you to climb. They're all waiting for you. You're going to be part of someone else's testimony journey. You get to choose that. You don't have to believe that you're not. The entirety of Israel was saved that day for this ludicrous story that Jonathan had an idea that if the guys come down to him, they should run away. And if they call up to them, they win. You have been called to higher places. You have been challenged. It's time for your spirit man to win in every occasion and in every moment. And the most wonderful thing about it is it happens naturally when you just don't believe lies. It's so mind-blowingly simple that there's such a goodness about it. It's so good. It's so good. It's so simple. It's so good. When you begin to love yourself as Christ loves you, it's going to happen. You're going to see the souls. And I know that's so hard. A lot of people just, they can't get over themselves. Oh, uh, yeah, I think I'm a new creation, but oh my gosh, I'm just so terrible. And I keep sitting in and I just, uh, oh, there's all these parts. I just read these self-help books and I'm like, watching YouTube videos, and I'm just trying to always better myself. Christ said, like, 
love your neighbor as you love yourself, which means you have to first start loving yourself. I mean, that's an entire message in and of itself. But Holy Spirit will give you revelations of how that works out. When you begin to love yourself because God created you and crafted you, oh, it's, it's so easy. It's so easy for me to love my boys unconditionally and lavish praises on them and lavish things on them because I love them because I've been renewed and I can love myself. I want to pray for, I want to pray for this moment and I want to ask you to close your eyes if, if you would be so willing. I want to invite you, if you haven't made the decision to do the climb, I want to invite you, if you don't understand what this guy is talking about, but there's something definitely amazing about it that is not in your life right now. I want to invite you, if you know you need God and you don't know what that looks like, to simply be courageous enough to say some words. Please, God, save me. So I'm going to ask, like, if you're any of those people, like at the very beginning of a journey, or you're just, you want to be new. And you want to, you want this wholeness that I'm speaking of, this restored that I'm speaking of. I want to pray over you. And I, I won't know who to do that with unless you raise your hand. So if you raise your hand, I want to pray over you that you want Jesus or you want something new in your life or you want this secured. Lord God, make them new. Restore their soul. Deliver them from the evil one. And so with your words, you just say, I speak the name of Jesus Christ over my life, and I declare him Lord and Savior. All right, every, everyone open your eyes, and, and let, me, let me leave you with this. It's time to climb on. It's time to do it. It's time to go for it. It's time to, to be fully aware of how made anew you are. His grace is upon you. You matter. And as I kneeled down here for four minutes in front of you and let the words our God reigns minister to me, all I was, part of what I was doing is showing some people an example of how easy it is to approach the spiritual throne of God. It's that simple. And it's supernatural. It's that simple. Some of your victory is going to come simply 
from starting to realize you can be somewhere and turn on this four-minute song and sing to the God who is the only one that is going to give you that miracle. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. And as it keeps saying it, you're going to be empowered. You're going to be strengthened. You're going to be made whole. And you're going to be healed. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. And then you take the next hold with the word of God and you climb. And then you take the next hold of the word of God and you climb. Like if there's one thing you walk away from today, it's knowing that the lover of your soul is ready to hold you and you just need to like humble. Just, just bend your knee. Like it's a physical act that shows a spiritual place. Just bend your knee. It's time to climb on. It's time to climb on. You have a calling on your life. They are calling you. He is calling you. You are being beckoned. There are souls that matter, and your calling is to reach them. Thank you so much, and I love you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.